Happy Thursday, everyone. We've almost made it to the weekend. My name is Kirk Henderson, and I'm editor-in-chief of MavsMoneyBall.com. You are joining me in a Spotify Live. Happy hour. So just so everyone knows, I'm still trying to figure out what my schedule is going to be, both for Spotify Live and regular podcasting. Um, I'm still pretty jazzed about the season, so I kind of want to keep doing stuff so I don't get out of the habit. Um, so what I would will likely end up doing is probably doing as one listener suggested, maybe doing a Tuesday show about kind of more technical questions, you know, what's going on with rumors and free agency and things like that. And, and, you know, we want to have our man CBA Mavs on to kind of explain some of the logistical stuff. And then maybe a Friday show, it's a little more uh, goofy. But I, I'm obviously holding this on Thursday because I think I might go see Top Gun tomorrow. Um, so here's what I would like. I have a couple of speaker requests, but uh, let's let's hit that speaker button and, and talk about the last couple of days' news. Um, I have uh, a post or a podcast that just went up probably within the last hour with my buddy, Brian Schrader, who is kind of an amateur draft guy. He actually did some work for some NBA teams, freelance stuff, but he's been covering the draft like religiously for about six or seven years. Gave me a long list of guys, both bigs and wings that the Mavericks could theoretically take at pick 26. Um, I'll probably have a post up about that shortly. Uh, the, the pick element of all this is pretty interesting because people are already getting very fired up. If there's one element that's nice about the Western Conference Finals is that there's less uh, there's less time for us to murder one another over social media as we debate things that we have no say in, which is always a nice uh, a nice time. Okay, so coming up first, I want to bring on my man, Jordan. How you doing, Jordan? Jordan, is the audio going to work for you? That's a great way to start. Uh, there we go. Jordan, you there, buddy? No. You are not there. That's okay. Having some connection issues, but we'll give Jordan a second, and if anybody else wants to come up and talk, otherwise I can probably talk to myself for a little while. Um, I know like probably I, I already got some feedback there in the chat, you know, hosting these during business hours, not my brightest move. Uh, the real thing was, is my wife had a thing to go do with our son. So I actually had a free time. Uh, so I apologies for that. I will factor that sort of thing in and maybe host these later at night, like we've been doing, um, and do it, you know, maybe 10 or 11. Uh, all right. So we got Sam. Hey, Sam, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Kirk? How you doing? I'm okay. I'm about to uh, pop open a caffeinated beverage instead of an alcoholic one. Yeah, it's a uh, it's Thursday. We can wait until the weekend for that one. So, you know. <laughs> but um, I guess my question is, or this is this is just my preference personally, just you know, seeing the team where we're at. Um, obviously, you know, you like to draft or try to see if you can get somebody in free agency or somehow like. I know there was some type of, I don't know if I'm going to say rumor, but uh, I think Mark Stein talked about it, how Zach Levine, you know, that may be an option if they could try to get him somehow. But um, personally, me, like we were talking about, we were talking about it during the Western Conference Finals. I think we need to keep our draft picks and actually draft somebody that we could develop because 
as you saw with the Warriors, they got guys that hell they didn't even play like Kaminga, uh, I think it was Moody, and uh, you know they got Jordan Poole out so they developed. And we don't have we have Josh Green, but he wasn't ready for that moment. So I would like to see if we could somehow just draft somebody at twenty six. And I don't know if we can even get a second round pick. I know we traded it with Porzingis, but you know in the next couple of years, just try to keep our draft picks instead of trading them out because. That's how we can build a team and build depth. And then, if anything, if they are good, we could trade them later on down the line. So sure. that's that's just my opinion. That's what I think they should do. But I mean, who knows? If they say, "Hey, we'll give you Zach Levine, but we want number twenty-six," I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the funny part about this is is that we are all so pistol whipped about anything draft related because we have had close to. You know, the good drafts during my time as a Mavs fan were, and I, you know, Dirk Nowitzki is what made me a Mavs fan, so that doesn't technically count. So we, we go from there. The best drafts for the Mavericks were 2003, which was Josh Howard, 2005, which was the draft day trade for Devin Harris and Jerry Stackhouse sending out Antoine, uh, Antoine uh, Jameson. And then I really, honest to God, think the next decent draft for the Mavericks was 2018. It was crazy. And so we've been told for years and years that draft picks don't matter. And when draft, when you, when, it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I, I remember a particular person affiliated with the Mavs basically said to me before 2020, well, who can you really get with pick 18? Well, the answer was some pretty good players. And this is a particularly interesting draft class in that, like, it's been highly affected by COVID. So I don't know how much we really, you know, really know about these guys. And the nice part about pick 26 to me is where you can potentially catch some guys who are falling. I don't know enough about this draft. I'm still getting my hands, like, wrapped around. I'm not ever going to try to be a proclaimed expert. I liked Bain, but that doesn't mean I know what I was talking about. I knew what I was talking about with Luca in 2018. I did the work for a year and a half. This is kind of a different deal. I would like for them to keep the pick too, though I do understand where it's like if you have to move it, you have to move it. But the draft is is just important, and it's funny. Um, I did want to address a comment before I move on. Someone in the chat, he says Walker Kessler from Auburn is an, is an interesting big. Walker Kessler and Luka Doncic, which have the two most punchable faces in the NBA in terms of like like starting players, that'd be a riot. Sam, uh, anything else for us? Yeah, uh just just kind of elaborate off of that. I mean, it's it's funny because, you know, Donnie Nelson was the pretty much overseer of the, everything over the last 20 years. And it's ironic that we've had horrible drafts with the guys that he has guided. Like, I mean, hell, he wanted to get Giannis. Just imagine if that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys that he has wanted to get have been damn near home runs. So that, that's just the crazy part. It's just, hey, if we could have got Giannis, you know, that would have been a 1-1. We obviously got Luka and then Jalen Brunson in the second round. So the guys he has really, really wanted to get, they've been great. It's just everything else he just didn't give a damn about. Yeah. So <laughs> that was just the problem. So, I mean, ho- hopefully, um, you know, we got Nico here, so I'd like to see the, their type of approach, see what they are, what they are going right. to do. But we do right. know that I don't think they're married to anybody except at this point. Yep. So, you know, that may be a good thing, maybe a bad thing. You know, there are, there are guys on the team that I do like, but – the goal is to improve and win a championship. So if some of those guys got to go. They got to go. So that's, right. that's a that's all I got. Thanks for kicking us off, buddy. No problem. 
Um, the other piece of news today, and I didn't even mention this in the opening round, is that the Knicks are hiring Rick Brunson as an assistant coach. Rick Brunson is a former uh, professional player, former professional coach. Uh, he had some trouble with, I want to say it was the Timberwolves, that eventually, like, I think he won the court case. Kind of a gross deal overall, if you do some Googling on it. Don't really want to talk about it. He's currently a high school coach up in New Jersey, where he is coaching what is soon to be the first third-generation uh, NBA uh, star in, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, this is going to annoy me. You guys put it in the chat since you guys know all this stuff. Um, he's a, he's a, DeWan, is it Wagner? Yeah, DJ Wagner. There we go. Uh, speaking of that, I'm going to bring uh, uh, Jordan back on stage. How are we doing, Jordan? What's up? Jordan, okay. there we go. Is that better? Yes, hi. Okay, I got stuck in the chat because technically Wagner is the second, uh, third generation if you want to count moms. Because, I think, uh, yeah, I do want to count it because I just think that's freaking cool. So Rick Barry's father-in-law played in the NBA, and then of course Rick Barry's kids. So, so I technically, he's I, I just love generation. stuff like that. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, as far as draft stuff goes, you know, like I'm all into the draft. I think we're in a pretty good position. I think there's about 25 guys, and we have the 26th pick. Every time that there's like a, a drop off, somebody falls to you. So like that's how we got Dirk is that Dirk somehow drops out of Jalen Brunson's a great example. Uh, so I'm, I think we're gonna get maybe somebody. If we don't, I would prefer to trade the pick to next year because this year is absolutely insane, and we don't have a pick. Um, yep. So if we could get a pick next year, that would be ideal. It would also completely free us from the Stepien role. So that would be the other advantage of trading to next year. But if we can get somebody, yeah. if we can get somebody, I'm really excited. You know, you know, I'm a draft guy, so I, I love all the draft I do. stuff. So I do. Um, also, Jordan, do do us a favor. Drop your link in the chat to your your Mavs great your Mavs report card. Um, oh, I enjoyed yeah. reading that. You were, you were a brutal grader. That made <laughs> me laugh out loud. Um, I was not expecting that when I opened up the link. But uh, yeah, yeah. What what else is going on? Anything? Yeah, so uh, I just did that. I'm probably going to be writing uh, on who the map should draft if we keep the pick. Um, so I'll go through and have uh, probably five options that I think would be good options. Um, and then I'm just going to say draft the best player available. I don't – It. I will just be honest. If we draft Walker Kessler or if we draft uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., I am going to be sad and uh, probably cry. So please don't draft them. Patrick Baldwin Jr. Why? Uh, he's he's one that we I've been batted around. What do you what's 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 not to like about uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, so he's less athletic, um, less skilled Bertans, and we already have Bertans. <laughs> so um, God, I love no, this just, time of year. He was, just slander, slander he was, everywhere. <laughs> he was billed as a. Uh, Somebody who's you know supposed to be this super tall shooter who could play defense, who could kind of handle the ball a little bit, and uh, basically he was put in that role where his dad was the coach, and he completely failed in every way. Um, and then he's been put in the lower role in uh, FIBA tournaments, and also wasn't in FIBA. Uh, he was he was in FIBA, he, uh, and he wasn't the star there. So I just I really am struggling to see a pro role for him. If he was not considered like a top 10 recruit coming into the year, I don't think he would 
have declared for the draft. So he just has a horrible year. Just magnificent shanking. Thanks, Jordan. (laughs) You are welcome. Appreciate that. All right. Talk soon. Um, All right. Coming up next then. Uh, and again, guys, we can talk about whatever the heck you guys want. I don't, I'm not up for anything. I've, I've been all over the map this week. My podcasts are, are a little bit of everything. We're going to bring up everyone's favorite coach, disliker, Mr. Akiva. How are we doing, friend? Long time. I'm good, my friend. I'm, I'm glad you still let me on, even though you know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> hey, man, we made it to the Western Conference Finals. It's tough to be hard at this moment. And, I, I I thought, did did you hear, uh, if you've not had an opportunity, Kiva, I recommend seeking out uh, the exit interview for Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd, where I am not really a happy fan. Like, I tend to thrive under bitchiness. Like, it's it's one of my endearing qualities for people who don't mind that sort of stuff. And, like, they kind of filled me with hope because they have a vision for something. But go ahead. I may be wrong, um, Kirk, uh, but usually in my sports fan career, I'm I'm very right on these things. Like currently, like I, I told you before, I'm a Ranger. The only other sports I follow now is like sure, hockey. Know, yeah, I remember that. Rangers, and I'm feeling good about the Rangers. I felt good about them all year because they finally got a good coach. And uh, that doesn't mean they're gonna win the cup this year, but they're gonna. It, it feels like they will. It's shocking everybody. But, and I'll tell you, 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 uh, I used to dog Carlisle uh, for the last couple of years. You used to defend him. I know I was right. Luca forced him out kind of in a quiet way. And uh, they did win a championship one time with him. I believe it is in spite of him, not because of him. And I believe whatever the success the Mavs enjoyed this year. It's uh, it was in spite of kid and not. That's the- wild. I love it. You're insane. But 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 I, go off. Yeah, give me a few minutes. I'm gonna summarize. <laughs> Sum- summarize uh, my points. I I talked about it before all of it, but I want to tie it all up together. Summarize the year kind of. Okay. Jason Kidd was not a good coach in his four years with uh, Milwaukee. He was not. That is absolutely true. And you believe that he may have changed. I don't believe people really change at that point in life and that point in their career. He he may have been uh, on the bench with uh, with Mike Vo- whatever Vogel Kirkwood whatever his name is. But I don't believe you turn into a good coach by watching a good coach. Uh, he was he's he's not a good coach now, and he will never be a good coach. Now uh, the. And whatever whatever success they'll have is in spite of him, not because of him. Okay. So the you we can talk all all we want about making the roster better, drafting better, and that's all right and true. And I don't know if we have the right guy in Nico Harrison. The jury's still out. But none of that matters. Every team tries to make change their roster every year and get sure. better. And it's, sure. And we we could get better, but other teams also can get better. Mm-hmm. But the easiest thing about to change in, about the team and the quickest way to change the body and, and maybe the most significant way to change uh, a team is to get the best possible coach you can get, at least a good coach. And I don't believe Jason Kidd is that. How do we know that? Uh, through, through 
what we as fans can see on the outside, we're not at practice. We don't see what work sure. is on in the background. What we can tell is is what we watch on TV in games or at the games. Uh, kids, two major ways that kid tells me he's not a good coach is his uh, game management and his roster decisions. So game management, right? So uh, when he um, – he doesn't. We we agree that he doesn't use uh, his challenges well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was probably the easiest knock against him all year. He also didn't. He also didn't get enough technicals for my liking. Right. Not protecting instead of Luca having to bitch in every play, which he shouldn't, but he should be bitching a lot of times on that. Uh, Finney Smith. I told you I was at a game where Finney Smith is sitting on the other side of the bench, f- several feet away from the huddle. Uh, yeah where uh, 10 seconds left and you, you want everybody to listen no matter what. Uh, that's a little little thing that tells me, if I'm a coach, I'm pissed off. Penny Smith, sit down, get your ass right close to me so you can hear what I'm, what I'm about to say. Uh, yeah. the, uh, uh, several times he plays Luca in, in minutes where the game is long decided. Yeah, yeah no, that's, decided. That's, an, that's, that's an easy knock. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I said I said I told you it was gonna backfire. It did backfire. Where Luca had to miss two games in the Utah series yeah. didn't really didn't really hurt us that much. But he, that's a big knock against him. It can that that uh, monster could rear its ugly head. Let's say is they're lucky to be in a, in a in a semifinals or the finals, and he does that again, and Luca is out. Then people will cry out again. I understand. No, it's, it's possible. And and uh, you know when I was watching the Golden State, was it the second half, the beginning of the second half? Luca goes uh, goes in for a layup against Thompson, misses the layup, stops running back, does not run back. And it wasn't you know we've seen it time and again when he yep. when he starts complaining about the calls, doesn't run back. This time it didn't even look like he got fouled, whatever. But even whether he got fouled or not, you know, they're losing by 19 or 20 in the beginning of the second half. He doesn't run back right away. Thompson runs back, gets hits an open three. What does that tell us? That tells us Luca still, no matter how much BS he can give us about the good vibes and respecting the coach and, and all of that, and everybody's happy and the team is together, you don't respect your teammates and your coach when you play that crap. I think you got it, but I think you got to compartmentalize the Luca element of this because the, that's a legitimate criticism of Luca, a little bit apart from the superstar, right? as as the superstar away from the coach. Because you know we're all in like like you're a businessman, we're all in relationships. Sometimes you got to pick when you want to go in to work on someone, and kid went in on Luca a fair amount. In this postseason, like like he went after him after game two against Phoenix when he was like, look, he's getting targeted. He doesn't play better. Like there's no, you know, and, and that sort of stuff I understand. I do. But I, I got to say, though, getting to the Western Conference Finals is pretty incredible. And not only getting to the Western Conference Finals, it's basically with the same damn roster that Rick Carlisle lost two years in a row with. At Give or take a Reggie Bullock for a Tim Hardaway Jr., like that's pretty good stuff, and their defense was better. Their connectivity was better. They also liked each other more. And I, I, I will say that I like I saw this with Avery Johnson back when he was Mavericks coach. 
sometimes you gotta just move on from a guy when the vibes like when things aren't working anymore. That was Carl's big or not Carl Cuban's biggest problem. And right now these things are working. Now will it always work with Kid? Do I kind of wonder? Like I saw it after game two against Golden State. Kid's post game comments had me a flutter. I was so pissed. And I wrote a couple of articles about it because he was like taking, he wouldn't take responsibility for the fact that they lost that game, he essentially saying I'm, I'm, you know, Hey, I just work here. Like that's a, that was the only time he did it all year. And he did that all the time in Milwaukee. That is, that is another sign. I didn't mention that. That is another sign. The coach is no good when he doesn't sometimes a good, every great coach or good coach, Every once in a while, he'll say, "This was this one's on me. I screwed up." This guy. I never, understand. Like, I, like, give me another couple of minutes. Okay, I'm gonna, I, I, by, come on. Hey. <laughs> Oh, by the way, you said that play, they're playing much better defense. Part of defense is also getting the damn defensive rebound, not giving giving other teams second and third and fourth chances to put the ball in and not to give so many layups. Sure. Well, that, that happened. I mean, that, but that's a roster building. You know, they got out-rebounded, and I said this. I'm going to keep saying it. They got out-rebounded by 170 rebounds in the playoffs, and they made the Western Conference Final. So I'm really, on an aggregate, like, big picture, I'm not sure how much rebounding matters, but it was soul-crushing in the moment but, but when it, they would it, lose those. This was bound to happen. Sooner or later, it was bound to happen. As bigs, the whole Rhea and the roster – the, the guys that he that he put on the floor, Dwight Powell, Kleber, Marquis, Chris, Willie Cauley-Stein, everybody but the two guys who, cut, who kind of could have made a difference. I know you guys don't believe me. I'm telling you, Moses but Brown I, and, and Boban would have made, made a bigger difference than those clowns that he put out. And I love this. You're wrong, but I love it. Uh, Josh, no, I, your, your, your son-in-law, Josh, tells me you do this, too. You, you and he argue about this all the time, which is great. I, I, know, I love I it. I know I'm right. I also know I will never be proven <laughs> right. I will never be proven right. Also, I disagree with you on, on uh, Josh Green. I think with a good coach who would, who would, who would know how to handle the guy, how, how to give him faith in himself. Josh Green was a guy who should have played more and, and should have played, would have played. You could have gotten a lot more out of him. He, I mean, he had more fouls than field goals in the playoffs. Like he's, he's an awful basketball player. He's being coached by an awful coach who doesn't have any oh, faith. In- you can't, you got to know how to play basketball before you can play basketball. Like don't, don't draft a guy who can't, who can't do anything other than run around and look like it's a great game of cardio there was there were a lot, a lot of spots where he flashed he flashed a really good game i don't need a flash when i got a superstar i need a guy who can hit a damn bucket that's what i need a lot of coaching too i don't think this guy can develop players and you, and you, you know you know, maybe you need you need you need time for that and the mavericks don't have time to 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 waste that's why that pick was such an awful pick so how come he, he uh, kid is so is so enamored with small ball when uh, every time he puts out a so-called small lineup, at least two of the guys can't put the ball on the floor. How is that? <laughs> well, see, no, that's a valid. So that's a roster building thing. I've been talking about that in some of my other podcasts. Where if the Mavericks want to play this way, they need, you know, like Dorian Finney-Smith basically forgot how to dribble the first three games against Golden State because he got blocked in the corner by uh, Draymond Green. And, like, his ability to dribble or willingness to take it to the rack is what opened things up for the Mavericks this year. Like, I used to make fun of him to say the guy couldn't dribble. It's great. So. Right. But, But, hey, I got a huge line. I hope you come back. All right, buddy? Okay, my friend. Have a great one. Yeah, you too. Bye. Love it.
See, we all, this is the democratization of rage. That's what we're all here for. Um, Steven, what's up, buddy? Steven, you done teaching for the year? Hit that unmute sorry, button. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Uh, I was stuck in the chat. And then, uh, yeah, so yeah, done for teaching, uh, getting ready. Uh, I'm actually moving up to teach IB3, so preparing for that now. Uh, so, but Kirk, I want to ask you a question. So I kind of wondering, um, how much do you think Nico is influencing himself where it's like he wants to, he wants to have his very first draft pick where it's like, if they have to give up the draft rights to their 26 pick for like, let's say it's Zach Levine on draft night, then I'm like, Hey, go for it for that swing. But I'm kind of wondering how if Nico made his first free agent signings, he made his first trade. I'm kind of wondering how much of himself is like, you know, I really want my own guy. I want to have I don't my know. own person. Say I, I like, I like this question. I, my Nico Harrison take is different than a lot of people's who everyone's really excited and want to give him flowers for certain stuff. I need a year plus of understanding that Cuban is no longer involved before I do some of this. Like I, I it's Mark freaking Cuban. He's not just giving up the, the reins. The second thing is I also think everyone is sort of devaluing Michael Finley who got a title change and has been grinding his ass off to figure out and learn all of the front office stuff that's required for years. Whereas Nico Harrison was sort of parachuted in and given the GM title. I think this whole group working together has been pretty effective to date. I think we would all agree with that. Um, and so I, I, I'm curious to see what their draft strategy is, is my answer because we don't, we have no idea. And we're also like frightened of a mistake because we've just seen mistake after mistake. And so that's where my head is. I, I, I do think the likelihood of a draft day trade is probably higher than, than I feel comfortable with because I just, a draft day trade doesn't like, what does that mean? Could mean anything. Right. You know? I, I do think it's possible that they make that trade for that sure fire fire player. I'm just hoping if they do decide to keep their draft rights that you're right. I hope that they take less of a gamble and just take the most, the decorated college player or someone that's actually proven to get shit done when they're at college. And I'm like Josh green. Um, I've personally, I've just fallen in love with EJ Liddell for like wing depth because Reggie and Dorian, they need rest too. And it's like, you can never run out of wings. And I just feel like that's the position where it's like probably the most plug and play, even even if you are rookie and some, some circumstances, uh, I only got to see Jalen Williams play once, and that was against Arkansas's game and their loss against Duke in the tournament. And he looked good. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of information on. It's anyone. funny. He he. You know, for what Akiva was just sort of talking about with like a big guy who's a grinder. That guy, that the Arkansas guy, Jalen Williams, is like a guy who would come in and get an immediate ten minutes. Uh, do you remember Sarge when he was a second yes. round pick, like hey, in 2013? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Sarge was our opening night center because he could just do stuff and i i'm sorry like i'm just to the point where the i I, if the mavericks were to roll out the exact same roster and then add one more big that could play actual minutes because that'd be fine and it's like like the 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 bigs that play now it's like you watch these two finals teams there's not anybody over 610 in either starting lineup it's like mobile functional bigs that can do stuff and, and and not make mistakes Right. And, and so it's like, but that feels like a low ceiling move. I don't know. Well, I guess the more thing I would be insane is like, if we, if the unplayables are still around, like 
Sterling Brown, Trey Burke. Maybe this might be a little bit hard to get rid of because they're. Oh, it's so upsetting. We're doing like season review articles over at MavsMoneyBall.com. And then we get into these arguments on our Slack where I'm just like, it's not that like Frank Nilkina is fine. He's, he's whatever. Josh Green is fine. He's whatever. But they were the six, seven guys instead of the nine, 10 guys. Like the Mavericks just have such a, it's, it's like, it's so maddening. It, they made it to the Western Conference Finals with six and a half guys. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Well, we're what? It's when's the draft? The twenty third. So we're like, yeah, we have three weeks from today. <sighs> On the countdown. All right, thanks, uh, thanks, Kirk. I don't want to take up too much time. So that's fine. Uh, yeah. Thanks again. Yep. It's a nice part right. about off season content is uh, you guys can get up here and lecture me, and I'm probably less likely to kick anybody off stage because what else are we gonna do? Actually, like do our jobs and stuff like that. Speaking of that, Brian, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Long time no talk. Yeah, the app updated and like the mute function and like the, the speaker request, everything's looking a little goofy. Okay, can you hear me now? I can. Okay, weird. Yeah, because like I just experienced that. I was like, I swear to God, I didn't fuck up anything. What's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just like to kind of go back to what you were saying. Uh, you had mentioned like uh, a few moments ago, you wanted to actually give Nico some like time before you give like full flowers. And I'm kind of with you. And I haven't really seen anybody really hit this home yet, like on the athletic or your set yet. I think like the word or phrase of the offseason should be cohesion because we've had this like weird energy where like we, you would like to think Rick and Donnie had an A of what wanted to take place in the draft and offseason. But, you know, Mark was always about plan powder. Ergo, we don't lose. We don't get the opportunity. Uh, draft Giannis because he wanted to save like 25 cents to make a pitch to Dwight Howard but didn't work out and we would draft random combo guards that would just flail out after like a half a season or not even make the team so and then I remember in the kind of opening presser that they were just still indicating you know this is not like the full this is not kids team or new team yet they're yeah. still kind of still dealing with Carlos team or um, they may have mentioned that after the, after the KP trade. I'm not really sure. But I want a full – a year and a half of cohesion between the front office, GM, and owner, however much he's involved in, which if everybody thinks he's not going to be involved, you're kind of kidding yourself. I don't know why. I mean, maybe he's not. Maybe he's I, not. I, like, they were, a package, they were a package deal. And, like, there had to be some notion of the fact that you got into this mess because of freelancing. Oh, for a hundred percent, Kirk. But like, regardless of like what, whatever, like the like particulars are, I just want everybody to have, be on the same like level. Understand. Okay. This is a unanimous thing. This isn't just a Cuban thing. Like, obviously we heard what was, went down in the Floralabob draft where they didn't even know what the hell was going on. I need everybody there to understand, Hey, we're going to just trade this pick for this guy. This is why blah, blah, blah. Obviously the KP trade worked out. Like, fantastic, like, more of that. So I don't want to hear, like, oh, you know, Nika wanted to do this, but Kid wanted to do that. Like, I, whoever Kid really wants, like, he should have, like, kind of full reign that says, I want that guy. And Nico should sure. be able to look down, or Finley, whomever, and say, you know, hey, Kid, you know, we, we understand you like this guy, but this guy, who's a little bit older, could actually provide the same impact, and he could be, like, a restricted free agent that we could sign after the draft. Like, Whatever the case may be, I just want that. 
like I think everybody kind of getting excited for the draft is like a cool thing, but from what I've understood and doing like a random mock draft with our good friends, I am I am ready to be hurt again. That's the well, point of the draft. I, I, I mean, it's not the uh, it's not the point of being hurt, Kurt. It's just like there are like elevators like of like falling off. Like there's like that tier one and tier two, and it's just like a crapshoot after that, which. Could play in the Mavs' favor, but like I just my expectations of like actually getting somebody functional are like very low. I think there would be better chances of them signing an unrestricted free agent after the draft that could be more functional than whomever they draft. Like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of wings. Yeah, I mean, I ended up actually selecting uh, Wendell Moore out of Duke in the Mavs uh, drafts, uh, like mock draft, community draft recently. But I mean. I was, again, just going by the big board and trying to read uh, everything. But I would say don't who, – who, whatever happens, I would just advocate don't get mad. I, like, I don't think there's going to be this big, you know, hey – Don't get mad. What do you think my brand is? How dare you? <laughs> I, I'm just saying that, like, the Desmond Bain – the Josh Green draft is a different conversation, Kirk, because there was, like – I'm a draft, like, you know, novice, but I knew, like, those primary names and then – I think picks 15 on are pretty much a crap suit. So I think it would be hard to really be uh, upset. And well, I was, I, I, I think I, you, here's, I, I, disagree. Okay. I disagree because there, if you go look at between picks 20 and picks 40, how many guys were rotation players? The Mavericks had three draft picks and none of them, none oh. of them are good players. I Kirk, I, I, I know I completely agree. And then we're kind of in this weird spot now. Like, are we willing to let somebody develop and get maybe pounded on? And are they going to be good enough where we can actually play in the playoffs? That, like, obviously that's the goal and objective. I just, the team's kind of in a weird spot to like hope for that. I think like the, it's the percentages of them actually getting a functional rotation piece, like within this pick is very low. So I'm just like, Whatever happens, happens. As long as it's consent, like it's across the board and all, unanimous decision, whatever they want to do. Like to me, you and Josh, I believe, brought this up on your post game of like game of game five. I think the most important thing this offseason, if Josh Green is not in Las Vegas this summer, I will be so incredibly pissed off. Like that should be red flags all over the place because there is absolutely unequivocally no reason why he should not be in Las Vegas. Man, they told us he was tired from the Olympics. He didn't play a single minute. Uh, oh, God, uh, what an incredible no. moment. I mean, Kirk, we were there. We were there, and we were just like, we saw this random Mavs roster. It's like, hmm, Josh Green could be actually doing good things, and it made it even worse that Desmond Bain was in the summer league, and lo and behold, that actually benefited him because look where he was this year because, like, there, there was that weird COVID – uh, like, if you notice, like, those COVID players within Josh Green's draft that actually went to Summer League, they got better while Josh Green was pretty much collecting dust on the bench of the Australian team. So, I mean, that, that I, I just re- – I think that would just make me more – whatever happens in the draft, like, I'll just be whatever. I'll, although they need to sign Kenny Lofton Jr., uh, if you haven't looked him up, uh, this is the agenda. I'm I trying. have seen him, and he would. Yes. He, he gives me, he gives me hope for my body type moving yes. forward. Yes, uh, dude, I am telling guys, Kenny Lofton Jr., Louisiana Tech. He is a he's a hoss of nature. I don't understand his body. He's like a he like he's a Brandon. He's like Dewan Blair type because he's he got the basketball. Oh, head. He's, he's no, like, he's like Charles Barkley. 
He's like Charles Barkley. Oh. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing to say out loud, but he's he's just an enormous human. I love I love that. I love the videos of him. And, uh, yeah, but and my brain kept read, reading his name as Kenny Loggins Jr. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, and for anybody asking, he's not related to the baseball player. No, no relation at all. And he's killed it in the G League. And I mean, I think that's a player that, like that's the type of player. If Nika, like if Nika wants his flowers from me early, go find that player because I don't know what his ceiling is per se. Or you know what if. People were kind of pulling out feelers like, hey, like uh, the Spurs, like Kenny Lofton Jr., a pick 47, pay the whatever, like quarter, like I don't know how much a second round pick is. Cuban makes a lot of money. Like just pay, just figure out, like if you need to just adjust, Sterling, say, ta-ta, like do that, please, because there's so many creative things. Like more of that stuff, like I would be like, oh, okay, thank you so much, because how often have the Mavs done that in the past? I think they did that. It, it's been years since they've actually bought back into the draft to like get anybody that they really, really wanted. Like if you see somebody go get your guy. Well, thank you, buddy. I appreciate your time. Yeah. I, hey, man, I, I appreciate you. And uh, please listen to Kirk's podcast at mobsmoneyball.com and read all their articles. Cause they're great. Even Xavier. Cause he's in here too. <laughs> all right. Talk to you later, buddy. No. And, and I later. wanted to make something clear that, that and I'm out here with my dog. I'm sorry if you guys are hearing noise. Um, I, I am, I am very pro Nico. I'm delighted with the results of everything. I am more, that that's more an indictment upon an indictment stronger. It's more of my, my, my just sort of feelings about the fact that the Mavericks have had a hard time for years due to Cuban. And so it's, you know, they, they made, they made the, the, you know, Reggie move and it worked and I cannot be happier. Probably the best move they've made in the last like six or seven years. And Part of me is like they were due just because they've had such terrible luck. Um, anyhow, all right, coming up next, let me see here who is in the chat who wants to hang out a bit. Let's go with Ben. Hey, Ben, welcome back. Oh, hey, what's up? Welcome, welcome. What do you got for us? Oh, not much. I'm having work here, too, so I'm getting distracted. But uh, I did want – I've been here for a while, but I don't want to uh, – Yeah, come a little closer. We're having a little trouble hearing you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm kind of in a loud uh, in a warehouse situation. Better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, I had a couple things I was thinking. I left and I came back to something you said a second ago about uh, or the last the last speaker was saying how or you just made a casual thing about like you know how Cuban's got a lot of money. I mean, he does, but I read I can't remember where I read something about how like. Basically, I mean, when he came in the league, he was this, he was, you know, richer than everybody or whatever there was his perception, but it's not that way now, 20 years later, right? Like, I mean, he's not, he's not among the richest of owners. He's not, um, there's lots of guys that have a lot more money than him that don't team right. now. Yes. So I think, I, I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are about that in terms of like, what is his even ability to pay that luxury tax? 
for years and years and years in a row once you get into a situation like we're in now? Mm, this is a fun question. I I will say, and and if you mind hitting mute, sorry, buddy. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I will say that I feel confident right now. I don't know how long, like, as long as they're a potential second seed and beyond team, then we're going to get Cuban paying the money. He didn't pay it for 10 years. This is be the first time he's paid luxury tax. Uh, it is a little funny that he's paying it with this team. But that's kind of a different story. Um, the appetite, the appetite for it is going to be interesting because, as our Golden State Warrior fans friend know, the the sheer amount of money it becomes it's it's kind of wild once you're over over the amount. I, I can't remember. I honestly haven't paid too much attention to what luxury tax bills are and like the multiplying effect because we haven't had to care. Uh, but I will say that I, I think Cuban will be at least willing to do something for, you know, for the longevity that Luca wants to make himself a Maverick. You know, he's the first year of a five-year extension coming up. I really think it's, if you're honest about it, it's a four-year extension with the fifth year being a player option, which he'll probably decline for due to new TV deal type stuff. And really, if he decides he's not thrilled in Dallas, that's how you move yourself out of a particular situation. Um, but I feel good about it so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much where I'm at too. I just, I, I wish I could remember what where this article was that I read. It well, might have been something. In the it's, it's, it's one um, of these things where he came into the league and was the new ideas guy, and now he's essentially part of the old guard. And that, that's just the nature of these things, where it's like the, the owner of the Grizzlies has quietly become one of the richest men on earth. Like it's, it's a wild thing. Right, right. And so that's, I just kind of wanted to. Uh, come back a little bit at that idea of like, oh, well, Cuban's rich and he can do. I mean, he can for a little bit, but he's he's not. He is not the rich guy anymore. Well, it's a, it's a stomach. It's a it's a stomach thing where it's like we. One of the things we miss we we confuse in this country and in the media all the time is net worth versus cash on hand. Like Bobby Marks has has given actual explainers of what the Nets had to do in terms of like wiring over these insanely sized payments of dollars. And Cuban might be rich, but does he have access to $45 million to wire the league or whatever the hell the, the dollar amount is? And like, I don't know. I don't really like talking about other people's money too much, but it's like Cuban might be wealthy, but is the, you know, d- does he have the stomach to constantly be sending cash out the door? And I don't have an answer. There. Oh, Lila hush. This is real podcasting right. guys. Yeah, and that's 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 just what I was getting at, you know, just that kind of blanket statement that we've all been saying for so long about him. And yeah, like you said, he's old guard now. He, he's not, you know, he's not the young, exciting dude like he was. And he, I mean, he thinks he is, I'm sure, always, and that's fine. And we we love him for who he is. Uh, but but there's, you know, that, so that's just one little point I wanted sure. to make. Uh, sure. No, it's a good question. Hear it. And uh, uh, and then also. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I think Brunson uh, gets paid. Uh, I, I do like to entertain ideas about signing trades, and I do. I would love to see Zach Levine. You know, the only way uh, the only way the Levine thing he, happens is if Levine is like, I want to go be a Dallas Maverick. It is almost right, it is exceptionally right. difficult. Now, the flip side is why I was talking to Xavier about this today online. The thing that I actually get a real kick out of it is. Um, this is the first time in 10 years where I've been like, oh, hey, because, I mean, I got so tired of the previous free agency stuff where it's like plan powder and all the other nonsense that Donnie Nelson put out into the other. 
And now it's just like, okay, well, players like Jason Kidd and players like Nico and that's and Luka Doncic is very good. That's a much better starting point than we had when the Mavericks were telling us how good and smart they were, which is if you have to tell people how good and smart you are, you aren't very good and you aren't very smart. Exactly. And I think uh, one more point real quick. I, uh, I think it was Josh, you and Josh talking the other day uh, about um, the, the idea that now because of Nico and because of his success and because of Luka, I think the word that y'all used, I think you said it was cool. You know, like all of a sudden we might actually have the chance to attract these free agents like we never had before because, you know, minus Donnie, minus uh, whatever people used to think, you know, about Dallas or about our ownership or uh, not ownership, our, our management, you know what I mean? Uh, so I, I am optimistic that if there are those options out there, that play, there are more players than there used to be that actually want to come here and would, you know, make it work or, or, or like you said, demand like, Hey, I want to go there. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think that's more likely. It's not like we, I mean, you've heard stories over the years of like people, players that wanted to come here, uh, but it just never could happen. Um, hopefully these things add up to, yeah, the wheels are greased a little better for us to, you know, be actually in the mix, you know, yep. actually be a team that shows in the, in the free agency market, you know? Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm feeling oddly positive. I don't, and I'm going to stick with that for a while. So thanks, Ben. All right, man. Y'all have a good one. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Coming up next then let's go to Jared. Hi, Jared. How you doing? Jared, are you able to pull out of the chat and talk? Give you a minute to figure out the audio. Otherwise we'll reinvite you here in a second. Okay. Let's go to Jacob. Hi, Jacob. What's happening today? Nothing much, Kirk. How you been? Good, good. Thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, kind of wanted to, uh, you know, you may have talked about this already in an article, but I've been so busy, you know, life happens. But I just, my first question for you was, how much would, how much is too much, uh, would, I guess, would Brunson cause? Like, where would you stop at to re-sign Jalen? I know, I know we have his bird rights and we can go over the cap to sign him, but I'm just, how much do you think would be too much for us to sign him well considering we can't afford to replace him i don't really know if there is a figure um they've got us over a barrel it's the way it goes uh i i it's just kind of where my head is i i see the chat where people are talking about oh can he be tradable blah 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 blah. i get it guys but to sign a guy who's 25 years old in his prime to a five-year deal even if you don't think he can be the second best player better than not having him at all is kind of where my head is. Yeah, I'd have to agree. All right. Uh, secondly, I'm going to pivot to uh, the center talk because I, I think we can all agree that that's probably what we need the very, very most. Because if what, what did us in uh, against the Warriors was Kevon Looney absolutely freaking destroying us on the boards. So what, what type of center would you think that we should go after? So like a five-out type of center or maybe like Mitchell Robinson? Basically, I don't. I don't think any of the uh, other other centers like uh, I don't think Miles Turner is going to be available. You know, I guess that depends on <laughs> that might depend on how much Rick wants to help us out or like I, I don't know uh, who's another guy, Rashawn Holmes, you know, someone like someone like that that might cost a lot uh, to to get and might take. You know, getting Harrison Barnes back. 
But what type of center do you think that we should target? A five-out type of center or, you know, one that plays close to the basket like Mitchell Robinson? Kirk, you're on mute. Man, just just the best. Thanks for telling me. Uh, that was embarrassing. Um, probably I would say five out is my opinion. Um, I as much as I really want the Mavericks to have a killer role, man, like John Collins, I saw somebody talking in chat about him earlier. Like John Collins, if, if he were somehow available, would be really good with Luca would it make the most out of him. He's a, you know, he, he improved as a defender, even though he's still a little small. I just, I worry about some of the bigger guys like my, like, like Turner, people who are really into Turner, I get it, I guess, because his contract isn't too bad, but go look at that man's games played. Like the Mavericks need players who can suit up for 70 games a year. You know, it's one thing if you choose not to play guys, but these guys who can't stay healthy, it's too long a season. Dwight Powell's greatest ability is his availability. Man played 82 games in every single playoff game. He played 100 basketball games this year. Like that's, that's, you know, that's nuts. Like there's some real value there. Anyhow, I, I, there's some guys on the market um, that are interesting. I don't love any of them. I mean, Hartenstein uh, fouls a heck of a lot, but, you know, we're talking 20 minutes a game for a certain respect. Maxi, you know, is is probably going to be back, but Maxi worries me in that I, I feel like he could collapse at any moment. And <laughs> just because the dude, the dude has played so many minutes. Um, and I'm sorry, guys, my dog is attacking my foot. Uh, and, and it's... I don't know. I, the Mavericks just don't have a lot of options. It's like, as Xavier noted to me, it's like a draft pick in the MLE. So is that really going to move mountains for you? So I don't yeah. know. What about Mo Bamba? So or, Orlando people are even like, this guy's stinky. <laughs> but, but I mean, if you could get him at like a real cheap deal, sure. But he is a aggressively strange basketball player. I don't want to say he's bad because he's got some crazy athletic attributes and, and just like raw size and stuff like that. But he doesn't seem to really be good at actual basketball. So, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Like you said, I would take a flyer on him if it didn't cost yeah. very much. But yeah, absolutely. As much well, as I. Like, oh, sorry. It, it's so painful to me because it's like we have Trey Burke on the roster next year. We have um, player option. We uh, player option, and then we have uh, Marquise Chris for a two-year deal for some stinky reason. And it's just it's there's you know Boban won't be back. It's going to be painful to some people, but Boban's not going to be back. Like you go th- like you go through this roster and it's just like what is happening? And so it it. I don't know. Just some some differences, you know. It's those nice part about the trade at the deadline is like new people to be mad at. Like it was really joyful for me to be mad at Spencer Dinwiddie instead of uh, Kristaps Porzingis. So yeah. Uh, well, what else? You anything else you got for us, buddy? Oh, I don't think. Uh, I'm not really prepared to talk about the draft. Yeah, I, I haven't really followed it that much. I guess I'm kind of like the Mavs in that regard. So. Yep. No, well, it's there's a lot of fun options. I have a post that's uh, went up earlier today. I would recommend listening to just for names to be aware of because it's like uh, it's like Jordan said at this earlier part of the show. Like, there's a lot of like potential dudes. It it kind of feels like the 2020 draft in that respect, where there's a lot of guys in like the second half that might be worth considering. So, all right, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's fly here because I'm gonna have to go soon. Jose, what's up, buddy? Not much. How are you, Kirk? 
I'm good. Well, I mean, I talk to you during the day, so you know who I am. So what's up? <laughs> Heard that that's supposed to be the mystique of a podcast. Fourth wall. You're supposed to act as if you have no communication. <laughs> Therefore, the conversation can have some authenticity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what do you got for us, dude? Oh man. Uh so the exit interviews, I found Tim Hardaway Jr.'s to be more exciting, uh, more interesting for me because he even mentioned his role. He even said he was going to ask Jason Kidd, Nico about it. Like, why are you asking Nico? <laughs> and that's my thing. That That's what perked my ears. I was just like, hmm, you know, and. And, you know, coming off the bench with Dinwiddie is interesting to see how it would play in a regular season. But here's my thing with Tim Hardaway Jr. He didn't put the ball down enough and get to the rim enough for for my liking. Also, uh, we know defensively he's not the best. And when he's not making – That's kind of you. Not the best. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know – when he's not making his shot, what else does he bring? Energy? Okay, we have a redundancy of, of energy guys. We got Theo. We got Dwight Powell. We have, shit, I don't know, Josh Green as an energy guy. And that worries me <laughs> because, like, like okay, uh, we have Boban for Luca's best friend. Dwight Powell for spiritual leader. <laughs> and, again, like, these these – key words and phrasing is good like okay i i think theo will be back and i think bobon will be back but again the redundancy of what the guys can do offensively and defensively and their limitations is like okay well we have to make some moves somehow some way so we could get this depth so we could get at least seven or maybe seven and a half players to be in the Western Conference Finals. And I said this in a space the other day. Like, Luka ha- has been so good. And, you know, getting to Western Conference Finals, he know he got a taste of success in the NBA far more than he ha- has already. And that's crazy. 23 years old. And you're like, damn, how long do we really have to build around Luca? And no, this is not a, you know, I'm fearful for Luca leaving. This is not that. This is, you have to really make some really great moves from here on out. There is no time to play on the margins. You you have to get uh, kind of like what somebody said earlier, drafting guys who are ready to play now instead of, having to wait out like three years down the road and for them to be fully, fully developed. You, you have to get guys who are, who are ready, but I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic Kirk, because I, I really feel like this team will, will find those vet minimum guys who are willing to come here. Uh, we still have the trader uh, trade player exception to, to use before June 27th. If I'm not, mistaken so you could definitely get a center right before the draft and you could still go into the draft with you know uh, with the mindset of drafting a wing that could be another body i really think that ron harper jr who i've talked about a lot is really interesting i I really like his game uh you know his father ron harper so 
I, I really want to see the Mavericks get them, and I'm mad because I recently watched a mock draft the other day that had them going to Memphis, and we get – Like uh, fucking of course. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, you you know, we get uh, Kamagate, who I've been hearing a lot about, and I've watched a lot of his stuff too, but it's just like, of course, Ron Harper would, would – fall right before the Mavs get a chance to get him. And he's another wing, 6'5", with a 7-1 or 7-2 uh, wingspan. So it's just like, oh, of course, the rich get richer. <laughs> but um, let me see what else I was going to say about Jason Kidd. I have my reservations on it. I mean, I think he was a really good head coach this year. And Jason Kidd has a track record in his first season where he has success. And then that second season, I mean, pretty much people have film on you. People have, you know, tendencies written down about your the way that you coach and everything like that. And that's what worries me about Jason Kidd going into his second year. But if he could go into the second year and get us into the second round or even further again, I'm I'm all in on Jason Kidd for another four years. That's just well, me. So so I've done some kind of asking about this, and I apologize if my connection gets a little funky. Dog once again demanded to go outside. Um, the kids' first season in Milwaukee, they played this hyper aggressive scheme that is not what they do now. Um, they play aggressively, help and recover, but I think they figured out the blueprint of what kind of players they want. Um, again, because it's like we got the Western Conference Finals with seven guys in Dwight Powell's center. Like, I just have to sit there and say, okay, well, what can you do if you can upgrade or provide some depth? And the answer is, of course, still getting lucky because let's be clear here, guys. You don't get to the Western Conference Finals without some luck. But I, I just, you know, that's where I was. I, I, I just disagree with my buddy Akiva because there's something there. And, you know, I, I'm perfectly happy saying I was wrong about Kid. As long as we all kind of accept the fact that, like, Kid was a sociopath at his previous jobs. Like, this is not really a thing that's up for, for debates. Like, there's lots of copy about how he treated people and how he treated his coaching staff and players. But he learned that he can be collaborative. I mean, we all know the Mavs assistant coaches. I think that's really cool. I don't remember any assistant coaches under Rick except for, um, uh, who's our man, uh, uh, God, Jim God, you know? Yeah, and you you know, as people, we we learn every day. You know, knowledge is interchangeable. I mean, uh, you might stick in and one thing that you know because it's comfortable, and you know, challenge yourself later for something that gets you out of your comfort zone. And I'm really glad Jason Kidd has turned around. So I'm really hoping that that he proves me wrong once again in the second year because then first year like yes this is amazing like uh, this is the longest he's coached is to the western conference final so uh you know there's a lot of optimism to to be had here in dallas and i'm really banking on on nico because i I was i had a tremendous optimism for him in in the offseason and i was hope i was hoping you were going to say prop bet but go ahead (laughs) But, you know, the the KP trade, uh, getting another ball handler, which we've been wanting and I've been wanting a center. And Nico, the first thing he says is, uh, yeah, we need a center who could rebound and block. So 
<laughs> I See, I don't know. know. I don't know if I believe him there though, because Jason Kidd said we need to stop taking threes, and did they ever stop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> no, but, but uh, they're, 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 they seem like th- those those things were really big for me. And I, you guys did talk about this in 77 Spaces on Twitter.com uh, about, like, everybody ended the season in a great note. And if you go look at, like, Utah's uh, exit interviews and the, the Suns' exit interviews, there was, like, a Cold War brewing. And there's none of that with the Mavs. Everybody's really happy. And that should matter. Most definitely. Uh, did you want to touch on the the Rick Brunson to New oh, York? Oh yeah, I love it. I love how upset it's going to make everyone. Like already in the Mavs Moneyball comments, you got guys, uh, people sort of freaking out about it, and it's just the Knicks have to shed salary to go get to offer to get Brunson a a max deal. So you're telling me that he wants to go play for his dad on a worse team with a worse coach and be the superstar in a market that eats people alive? Maybe. I don't see it, though. I, I don't see it either. Like, I think the most competition we'll get is from Detroit and maybe Indiana. And at that point, it's like, OK, well, give me your first round pick. And I don't I, <laughs> I think I think you wipe Indiana off because he did not seem to really enjoy playing for Carlisle. Oh, well, that would be fantastic. So then Detroit. <laughs> but uh, right. other than. Other than that, uh, I, I think they're going to make the right decision and, and keep him Brunson because pe- people also have to think about it, too. Like, if you're not keeping your, your core guys and you're out fish hunting for, for these stars and they don't come, like, that sends a message to other players around the league. They're like, damn, you don't want to even keep your own guy who averaged 20 points in the playoffs? Like, he was your second star. And – Jalen Brunson even took it upon himself to say, hey, I learned how to play with Luka without a rhythm. That That's a lot. Yeah. That means a that, lot. And, that's, and it's worth a ton. I know everybody's upset about the, the – like anybody who gets into the cat math that starts to get bothered by this because it's just like, number one, we're all like, oh, it limits our flexibility moving forward. And I get it. I get it. Xavier is going to come up next and probably lecture me. But like I'm having a hard time putting a dollar figure – on a guy that was willing to play with a dude who has a 35% usage rate. And, and also, uh, I mean, we probably wouldn't be in the Western conference finals without Jalen because Jalen was able to put up 41 on Utah. Jalen was able to uh, come in and extend the run against the the Suns to put them out of their misery. So, uh, I mean, we, we really had to be careful how we handled Jalen Brunson because Again, he's just a guy who is kind of homegrown. He's except the fact that he's, you know, Luca's second or maybe third, depending on how you want to look at it. And, you know, he accepts his role. That is huge for a player to buy in into your superstar being the superstar. Uh, that's my time, Kirk. I appreciate you bringing me up. Sure thing, man. Talk soon. Um, all right. Oh, I said Xavier. Xavier, you, you can't cl- you can't come to fame in these rooms and then never join anymore. It's really hurtful. Mike, can you guys hear me? Uh, it could be better. All right, I'll try to yell. Um, if I if you can't hear me, just tell me I'll hop off. So here's my frustration. I love Brunson. I'm proud of his role. Here's the thing: he cannot be upset. Yes, committed to the Western Conference. Yeah, X, 
we can't hear. I'm sorry. It's it's oh that's right. You're having headphone issues. We gotta we gotta find a Mavs Moneyball stipend for Xavier's headphones. So hey, I'm sorry, man. Let's try this again another time. All right. What about now? Can you hear me? No. Hey hey, there we go. Good lord. All right. All right. Sorry, I put my AirPods in. All right. So here's my thing with Brunson. I love him. I'm proud of the growth. He cannot be a team's second best player. I get it. We made it to the Western Conference Finals. But if we're honest with ourselves, if Chris Paul isn't worn down, we probably don't beat them. Um, and, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm worried we're going to be the 2019 Blazers. And look, I get sure. it. Brunson is good. And you say, hey, we can't we, we can't lose him. But he, you're looking at it in a vacuum. Yes, Brunson is a good player in a vacuum. But it's about the opportunity cost down the road. I'm not concerned about Mark Cuban's you know, wallet, I'm concerned about having him on a roster makes it harder to acquire the second best, who should be the second best player on the team. Now, if we had all of our draft picks, then pray Brunson, whatever he wants, we can offer, we have enough salaries to where we can offer, you know, salary filler plus the, the Drew Holiday package with picks and we can get a player that way. But when you don't have draft picks and then you, your salary cap is loaded with with these bloated contracts, what is your path to getting the second best player on your team? It's not going to be right, the twenty six pick in the draft. You can't yeah. offload any of those contracts. Like that's and, and, that's uh, yeah. And, and here's the thing: I hate well, every contract can be moved, yes, but can it be moved for value? And that's the key. You can trade anybody. You could trade Tim Hardaway Jr. The Lakers are going to trade Russell Westbrook, but are those contracts movable for actual value? So it's not just about shuffling chairs. You need the assets to go get the second best player. And here's the thing: when you have a top five player like Luca. The Western Conference Finals means nothing. It's about winning a championship. We can all admit this team is not good enough to win a championship. How do we? How how can we get to that next level? Every I, in the chat, all I hear is, "Hey, let's go sign this one this one way player. Let's go sign this limited role player who can only bring one thing to the table." That's not changing our 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 ceiling. What we need is a dynamic player who can who's top and elite. That's what we need. Finding a bunch of different role players is not going to get us anywhere. So that's that's my thing. It's not it's not about Brunson the player. It's just about how are we getting the next Brunson. Now, I would I would have moved Brunson for an unprotected pick that would have satisfied the Steffian rule, so that we can go and trade three four first round picks plus pick swaps and go get a Drew Holiday or go get any one of these players that can be gotten right. that way. You know, in the he, absence he, of picks. Just just to clarify for the room, he does not mean Drew Holiday. He means the player like Drew Holiday when the Bucks went and got Drew Holiday. C correct, correct, and that's a, and look, teams like the Nets or teams like whoever the Warriors, they can afford to to overpay players because there's no opportunity cost. They have their top end talent and they can afford to play Andrew Wiggins or whoever or other other complimentary pieces are on the team, whatever they want. They could pay them a max for all they care. It's just money at that point. But when you don't have enough top end talent. And now you're paying players who should be the third or fourth best player, like the second best player. That is where you run into a situation to where now, like the Blazers, how are they going to get better, right? They gave McCollum and Lillard those contracts, right? But now, unless they traded one of those two, they were never going to get to elite status. And that was the trap that they fell into. And I fear that by having that Brunson's contract, Breton's contract, Dinwiddie's contract, all these inflated contracts, how are we getting the second best player on a championship sure. team? And un until we satisfy the Stephian rule, I don't get it. And I don't think Luca's going to be happy just making the Western Conference Finals. He knows in his heart that the team he had this year was not good enough to win a chip. And I think that's more detrimental well, but, to his but, future. 
then, you know. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Kirk. But you know what? And we, we've spent over an hour and we haven't talked on this. You know what else would be really helpful to the Mavericks' future possibilities? Luka not taking two and a half months to get his ass in shape. Agree. You know, like, like home court advantage matters. If Luka played like he did from January on, they might have been a two seed for all we know. Like Luca, like like there, there's an element of this that 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 kind of shifts some some expectations are, are the thief of joy. I'm just gonna talk about that. Like like that's gonna be my my thing. Where I'm a bitchy guy, but like I had a great time this year. You go look at all of Dirk's various first round exits in 2010. They were a two seed and they lost the seven seed. Like I I faced a lot of like frustrating heartbreak as a Mavs fan over the years, and I will say that that it's it's just to the point to where. If, if we always talk about it, but like progress is being an elevator straight up, then we're always going to be pissed. It's not fun. And like we have some Sixers fans in the chat. Ask them how fun it is having two MVP candidates on the team and not being able to get out of the second round. The Minnesota Timberwolves made it out of the second round the last time before, before the, the Sixers have. And they have, and, and, and the, the Timberwolves didn't make the playoffs for like 15 straight years. So it, this sort of stuff is, is really challenging for me where, I, I think we, we kind of maybe need to raise that elements of our expectations because when they traded Porzingis away, we all kind of thought the team would suck. No one, like, if you don't remember that, then you weren't paying attention because sure. Dinwiddie was not very good in Washington and Davis Bertans looked like a corpse. And the fact that they had playoff rotation minutes out of those guys is a miracle. And so it's like, for me, I hear what you're saying because I don't like getting back to this way as a path, but like Luca with good wing players playing small ball five stuff. I don't know what they can't do. And if Luca actually plays more efficient basketball, if he drops to his actual playing weight and can get by somebody, I still don't know what this team's ceiling is. I, I, look, and real quick, let me just clarify. I'm not suggesting we let Brunson walk. I think the ship has passed. Has right, sailed we on that. Do it. We yeah. have to sign him. Yeah, we, we have to do it. We're trapped. So I'm not suggesting we let Brunson walk. I was just saying we should have traded him while he was on this rookie deal. But we a lot of things broke in our favor, Kirk, and let's not forget that the West is going to be even better. The Clippers are going to sure. be a fucking monster. The Nuggets are going to be a monster. A lot of these teams are going to be better next year than they were this year. And if all we're doing is running the same team back on paper, we're probably the sixth or seventh best team in the West, if we just run it back. So the chances of us making a Western Conference final without all the breaks that we got this year and with all the teams that are likely to leapfrog us in the standings next year, bring, running it back is just not good enough. And if what you're thinking is that if we run it back, we're likely to make it to the Western Conference finals again and maybe we catch a break and make it to the finals. No, you're going to need you a shot to like, break just to get it here. All become about, but the playoffs always become about breaks. It but you can't count on them, though, Kirk. You can't but, count but being on the breaks. best team doesn't mean shit, though, to a degree. Look at what the Suns did. Once you get to the playoffs, it's primarily about health. Nobody really wants to admit that. I mean, the, the 2011 Mavericks, like, had the, the only reason they weren't a top one or two seed is because they had a nine game losing streak when Dirk went down. Some of this stuff really just does boil down to luck while also giving yourself the best opportunity to take advantage of that luck. And you and I have talked about this for two years. The Mavericks have put themselves in a difficult spot where they drafted, you know, uh, Luka Doncic. And then from there, every move they tried to make right up until the Kristaps Porzingis trade away, none of them worked. Not a single one. Because uh, of it, lack of, we've lacked self-awareness, Kirk, and that's the problem. When you think that you're a piece or a tweak on the margins away without being able to look in the mirror and say, hey, we're not that team. We might reach that level. 
we might, if we're lucky, we might get to this point, but our team, like you said, Kurt, everyone was shitting on Dinwiddie when he came here. Everyone was shitting on Bertans. No one expected us to be here. And now that we've got here, it's like fans have forgotten sure. that you hated this fucking roster three, four months ago. You absolutely <laughs> hated it. And now you guys are trying to tell me that we need to bring it back by any means well, necessary. And I don't understand. Here, here's, I, here, I, the, like, the big I'm, elements for me are this. So if you have Dorian and you have Bullock for another year with Luca, those two are the key pieces. Brunson also as well, pretty dang solid. And it, the, the Tim Hardaway of it all is probably the ultimate question. And that goes back to things you were talking about last year. So it's, it's, but it's all hindsight. There's really not much we can do, but we, it is a bit of a difficult proposition sometimes. So anyways, I, I have to move on to some folks before my wife. No, no problem. So thanks, Kurt. Else I can do? All right, no, thanks, Kurt. Appreciate you guys. Okay. Coming up next is Braylon. Tell me what you got, Braylon. Uh, the 26 pins for another Josh Richardson type player. What do you mean? Go for it. I'm playing. Um, oh, cause was, the, the damn Dalton trade that he had up on SI.com. Yeah, that killed me. I teased him about that relentlessly. It wasn't his trade. He was aggregating. But it was uh, Dougie, our, our, our man Dougie from um, the Spurs and then Josh Richardson and then sending out a pick. And it's like, no, no, the Mavericks do that. I'm becoming a Rockets fan. Nah, I was playing with that. I was playing with that. But, uh, yeah, I get, yeah, that was, that was a bad year. Um, anyway, uh, my player, my player I was thinking of when you, when you was talking about small ball with, uh, X, I was thinking, and then, uh, um, there was another person earlier that was talking about uh Detroit. Oh, it was um uh Jose, I think. Um, he was talking about Detroit, and yeah, uh, Jeremy Grant. I just saw in the chat, Jeremy Grant. Um, what what do you think about him? So Holden just said this in the chat, and I'm just going to say it out loud and pray to God nobody aggregates me and no one will. But the, the talk around people and on Reddit and for years is that he wanted to go play for a black head coach and a black general manager. Okay. And the Mavericks have those things, but I don't think it's what he was, you know, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't see him playing for Mark Cuban. How's that for an answer? Mm. So yeah, yeah. It just came to my mind when you uh, brought up the small ball. I think he would fit well, especially um, you know, especially with with, with how we play. Um, but uh, if you if you're talking about Cuban, then if you're talking about Cuban keeping him from here, then yeah, I don't. I just, I don't know. I could be completely wrong here. I just, it, it, I see that as the least likely thing. And it has nothing to do with Cuban. It's just there's been enough reporting stuff to say I don't see him coming to play for this franchise. That's all. Okay. Well, uh, basically, that was my only one. All right. Well, I appreciate you, man. I mean, you never know. Strange things happen whenever guys decide that they want to win. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um. <laughs> Uh, what, 
I got another, I just got another question on what what players do you um what players are we looking at at the twenty sixth pick? I was curious. Whole bunch of people. <laughs> I don't know anybody for certain, but if I were to guess, I would think the Mavericks would go wing over center. But what I I don't know that. I don't know that for certain. Okay. Well, that's all I got. All right, man. Thanks so much. All right. See you. Okay. Coming up next, then, let's go to my guy, Alex. Hi, Alex. What's going on? Alex, you there? All right. Try again in a few minutes. Sorry. Dog is biting me again. Uh, Grayson, what's up, buddy? Hey, Kirk. Uh, I just want to say thank you for your service, future Indiana Pacer Dwight Powell. If he is on the roster next season, I might lose my mind. I mean, let's be honest here. If we call up Rick Carlisle and say, we will give you Dwight Powell, he's not going to say no. He's not going to. He's going to say yes. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, every team should want Dwight Powell. That's my take. What do you think? I mean, love him in the regular season. Like you said, workhorse, played 82 games, but like, dude was almost unplayable in the playoffs. It, it drove me insane. I mean, every minute that he was out there, it felt like we were losing. Um, that's kind of my take on it. And I get that you're probably not going to get a player that is more playoff playable for Dwight Powell. But I mean, maybe, I don't know, give him, give him another one of Rick's favorite players. Cause we still have a couple of those guys on the roster. I don't know, figure it out. Rick likes, uh, likes guys that I don't think fit in our system as well. Um, <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, they're not keeping this pick. If they keep this pick, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, I, I just don't – all the signs point to them not. I mean, I, it's hard to say 100% because we don't have a ton of Nico Harrison intel. Um, but, I mean, you have to assume based on his history that this dude was brought in for the trading aspect and the free agency aspect and not so much the draft aspect. Uh, do you disagree with that, take? I just don't know enough. Like I, I, it's so difficult for me to answer this stuff because they've not given away anything. Yeah, I mean, you know what? If they if they keep it, maybe I won't be super surprised. But like, I I just really think that they are going to trade this pick, especially given their history in the late first round. Um, maybe if they trade it for the second pick in the first round, or the first pick in the second round, I should say. Sorry. Uh, then I think they'll, they'll be all right with it. Uh, anyway, the last point that I want to make is I'm, I'm pretty sick of Mark Cuban. Uh, I know that's been talked about a lot in this chat, but that statistic that came out about halfway through the season about him spending dead last in the league in total spending in the last five years, every time I think about it, it makes me sick at my stomach. And I'm, I know there's a lot of reasons for that, but we have a generational talent, and I've already seen him waste one. And I'm, I really don't want to see him waste another one. Well, I completely understand that, man. I am fighting with the dog to get her into her crate because she has been murderously attacking my ankles. Did you um, I saw you tweeted about that. Uh, my wife and I are still looking into stuff. Fun fact, Luca's dog goes to a place that – or went to a place that cost $6,000. So I don't have that kind of money. Um, <laughs> that is but we'll see what I do. Uh, I don't – yeah, that's all I have, Kirk. I appreciate you hosting these. Um, 
I guess this is maybe insane that no one has really asked you this yet, but I'll end on this. Who's your final pick? I think Golden State wins. Like the Celtics turn the ball over, or Jason Tatum actually turns the ball over an awful lot. They've played their the previous offense they played might have been a middle school offense. Like Jimmy Butler's an incredible player, but there's no complexity. The Warriors are a pain to guard. It took the Mavericks two games to figure it out. And Boston does have the personnel to guard them. It's just a – I'm not picking Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and, and uh, Jason Tatum over Steph Curry and all those guys. I'm not doing it. No, and I mean the Celtics' defense is great. It's better than the Mavs. Is defense, it? They played the such a cupcake-ass really schedule. Like, go look at their schedule from January 30th on. They played the Pistons four times. I'm so like that. They played so many guys with their teams without their best guy. They played incredible defense, yes, and there's like like something to beating the crap out of a, a team. Like, it's important, but like, like they you you hear about them beating the Bucks like it was this accomplishment. Well, Chris Middleton didn't play. What are we doing? Yeah, I mean, by far the most impressive thing that they've done is sweep Brooklyn, but. Even then, that team has some serious issues on the court and off the court. Uh, I mean, if you have your best – well, not your – your second best player for only half the year and trade your third best player off the team halfway through, it's not a lot of time for those guys to gel. So I don't know. I, I think it's hilarious. I saw that that statistic that came out that said that Boston has an 86% chance to win the, these finals, and I just want to know – who is who's crunching these numbers? Okay. So, well, part of it has to do with their margins. Like, like the fact that they were destroying teams for a month and a half does matter. I, I downplay it because I just – you go – like, really, if you go look at – like, they were 17 and 18 or something like this in late January. It was – no, it was, it was worse than that. It was – because they got their stuff together almost a month after the Mavericks did. And then you go look at who they played, and it's – I mean, the East is just delightful sometimes. You start clicking on box scores and you see they play Memphis without John. So it was, it was, it's just, I feel it's a little misleading is all, is my take. I think I agree with you. I think the Warriors are winning this one and they're, you know, there are obvious differences, but there is a ton of similarities between that Celtics team and our Mavericks team this season. And I saw what Golden State did to our Mavericks team. So I don't have a ton of faith in Boston. Well, and my, my disrespect also comes from the fact that Luka Doncic owns the Celtics. They've won four straight times. Luka has hit – like, and a lot of it is game winners, so I'm probably being an ass when I shouldn't be, but I just can't help myself. Yeah, I mean, Luka sees those uniforms, and he goes into asshole mode for sure. Uh, last thing I'll say is I see a lot of people in the chat talking about KD, and um, for that kind of coverage, you're going to need to go listen to Dalton. Appreciate I mean, I would love KD. That, that's the dirty little secret that people are kind of surprised about. Kevin Durant is my favorite college player of all time. So, I don't know. I would I love mean, it. Yeah, he he went to my school, so I love him too. But, I mean, come on. Like, what are the odds that that happens? I I'm, I'm can't even get my hopes up over Zach Levine, much less Kevin Durant. Anyway, I've... I've overstayed my welcome. I appreciate you, Kurt. There is no overstaying your welcome. Look at that. Like, my man, my, my buddy Akiva was up here for seven or eight minutes telling us how the coach who got us to the Western Conference Finals wasn't good. You know, I, yeah. everybody has a right, the, the constitutional right to get your takes off. All right, man. Talk soon. Yeah, I'm sorry my takes were not as spicy as Akiva's. Talk soon. Hey. All right. Later, dude. Alex, let's give you a try again. How you doing? Alex, are we there, my friend?
All right. Not sure what to tell you here. Okay, let's go to Jordan. You got the app to work. Glad to see it. I was going to invite you up later. What's going on? Just top-notch audio. Everybody here, you know, I know it's probably an app update, but we'll try to get to you here. Uh, Leo, what do you got, friend? Uh, hello. Just uh, two quick questions. Do you know if anyone on the coaching staff is leaving, seeing how we have given so much praise to the kid and his coaching staff this year? And as far as improvement within the roster, since we don't know what this front office really wants to do this offseason, whether the draft or through free agency, uh, all of last year it seemed that we were uh, we were yearning for another ball handler, more playmaking. It seems like guys like Dorian and Powell in the short in the short role, even though he didn't do much in the playoffs, really stepped up along with JB, giving more liberty to do more passes. As far as the deficiencies we have this year where it comes to rebounding and rim protection, do you see anywhere we can actually have any sort of internal improvement, or is this more of like an outside problem when you're bringing help for? Thank you. That's a fun question. Um, every time I think Dorian's done becoming a good player, he adds something, so who knows. But I would say that that, you know, the main thing I would look for is a Jalen Brunson three-point volume increase. Not saying it's going to happen. But that's what I want to happen. He does not shoot a lot of threes. And he does not ever take any off of screens. And I think that's where an evolution in his game could help because, you know, he scores 16 points a game. If he's going to get to 20 points a game on the number of shots he takes, he's going to have to start shooting shots that are more efficient, and that's not – 10, 10 to 12 foot two point shots. So he's my main candidate who don't really have anybody else. <laughs> All right. Um, let me see here. What did I do? What did I, uh, oh, hi, Holden. Sorry, you were, your comment confused me. I was like, what did I do that wasn't professional? I was feeding the dogs uh, so they would stop uh, nipping at me. But, anyways, let's go to try Jordan again. How are we doing, Jordan? Jordan, are you there? All right. I'm not sure why the audio is not working for you guys. John, what's up? John, are you there? I know it's, um, it's, uh, it's not, I mean, it's pulling you up on stage, but is your audio connecting? You see any green ring around? Not sure what to say. Let's try Jordan. I'll try to invite you up on stage. See if that works. Um, and then maybe you're able to talk. You know, it's just the best audio. We've been here 90 minutes. Anybody who listens to these things all the way through, I think we're lunatics. Um, all right. I will send some bug reports to Spotify Green Room, and, or I'm sorry, Spotify Live, and we'll see what people say. Thanks for hanging out. Probably longer than I'll normally go, but uh, my wife was gone. So what else was I going to do? You know, walk the dog, talk to you guys, talk some Mav stuff. Um, again, if any of you guys are out there, like, like make mad stuff, send me things. I like it. I like sharing other people's work. Um, there's a real value in actually doing stuff. So it's a, what's it talk, you know, be about it. Don't talk about it. And I want to, I want to see what you guys uh, have to say. All right. We'll talk to you guys, uh, probably next week. Everybody have a good rest of your week and weekend.